Meow. Meow, It's me. I'm a little British kitty. <laughs> and I love you. You are listening to This Week in Marvel episode number 411. What's the 411, Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M? I don't know, Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. Lorraine Sink. It's that this is This Week in Marvel. We have lost it. This is... (laughs) We're taping a little bit late in the day, which means you're getting what you're getting. Yeah, I got off a plane last night, went to my wife's book party. Party! I also went to his wife's book party, Uh, Elizabeth. Keenan Benagos. Her book is just by Elizabeth Keenan, and yes. it is called Rebel Girls, available at booksellers everywhere. It's great. Uh, yeah, it was I a... have two copies. Yeah. If you want a signed copy, you can get it from booksofwonder.com. Uh, that's the shop in New York. They were great. They have uh, graphic novels and stuff like that as well. Uh, they want to actually do some more stuff with us at Marvel, which would be really cool. I'm also really excited. There's like a lot of 90s rock music referenced and references in general in the book. And uh, I was like, where's the Spotify playlist? And she's like, oh, it's coming. So I'm ready. Yeah. But this is not about my wife's book. No, this is about everything that's going on in Marvel this week. And you know what? Our top news is all about Dem Comics. Dem Comics, though. Yeah, because the December previews video episode of Marvel's The Pullist hit this week. In it, Tucker, Marcus, and I got to reveal some real cool stuff. Well, I heard that you guys talked about incoming. Incoming with an exclamation point. Do you say exclamation point or mark? Point. Right. Okay. Some people say Mark. Is it a musical? Because all musicals end with an exclamation point. Yeah, they really should. Uh, No, Incoming is a huge issue written by Al Ewing, Dan Slott, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, Greg Pak, Eve Ewing, Matthew Rosenberg, Ed Brisson, Saladin Ahmed, Teeny Howard, John Hickman, Donnie Cates, and more with art by Umberto Ramos and more. And what is it? Well, it's a big cosmic scale murder mystery puzzle. It's got connections large and small to stuff that has happened, maybe stuff that will happen. You never know. That's an outrageous roster yeah. of talent. We haven't on that even book. revealed everybody yet. Incoming exclamation point also has a cover by Patrick Gleason. Uh, Jim Chung is going to be doing some art, Jason Aaron. Like, there's so many people involved in this book. Uh, it's going to affect everything in 2020 and beyond. Is that like when you're dead? What? The great beyond. Oh, yes. It could be. It could be. Uh, But we also announced Doctor Strange Surgeon Supreme. Number one, it's written by Mark Wade, art by Kev Walker, covered by Phil Noto. Um, in the current book of Doctor Strange, he's got the use of his hands back. So he can be a doctor and a magic boy. Um, But th- that's a lot of work. One job is enough, you know? Yeah. There's a line in our article about this that I really like. It says, be here for a brand new era of magic and horror. Ooh. I like ah, it. I like, a, I like a Doctor Strange horror comic. That's yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. For sure. And then uh, we have Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. How do you say that? Cosmic Ghost Rider. I- English kitty in the city. Number one, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam and Donnie Cates. Art by Scott Hepburn and Jeff Shaw with a cover by Scott. This one is its going to be a lot of fun. You know, we're going to have uh, the Cosmic Ghost Rider in an intergalactic prison who's basically going to take out his uh, his punishy bits on the people in the prison. When does my best friend Mew Mew British Kitty in the city get to have <laughs> their moment? Because they need a milk. We... <laughs> We need to tell Donnie about this. Uh, speaking of Donnie, we also talked about Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, which was written by Donnie Cates, art by Corey Smith, and more with a cover by Jeff Shaw. Um, this is sort of the the thing that all kinds of Donnie books have been leading to this. Thanos Wind, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Death of the Inhuman, Silver Surfer Black, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all coming to this issue. It's really, really cool. Um, there's one Q one left. Don't forget him. It's Spider-Ham. Yeah. It's me, I'm Spider-Ham. Hello. Ham in the city. (laughs) My name is Spider-Ham. I'm written by Zeb Wells and Will Robson. (laughs) Spider-Ham. 
Art by Will Robson, cover by Wendell Dalit. Uh, has like the cover is so good. Uh, the Pig best in the city. All right, I want you to say this top line. Apocalypse now. <laughs> Apocalypse now. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, Do you think Spider Ham snorts when he laughs? I hope so. If like, not, get out of here, Spider Ham. That's right. Yeah, uh, Spider Ham is gonna be jumping through time, going side by side with uh, our Peter Parker. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, so those were some books and, and some things that we announced on Marvel's The Polis. You know what I noticed is mm. that Donny Cates, writer and man of varied hair colors, uh, is gonna be extremely busy with all of those titles because his name is on most of them. But also he's gonna be busy because he's gonna be on the show later. Do you like a segue? Wow, that's a segue. If I ever yeah, heard one. Yeah, 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 me. Uh, yes, as Lorraine has said, writer Donny Cates and editor Devin Lewis will be on the show. That's our interview later in this episode. Uh, I sat down with them to talk about being interns at Marvel, their stories, their histories, and then transitioning into actually being a, a Marvel employee. They had great insight, some good advice, just some great stories, uh, and the two of them together are dynamite. What, what a couple of sweet little peanuts. I know. They are. Uh, our big talk this week is one that uh, Lorraine came up with, again, because she's the best. Oh, it shucks. is, uh, what is our favorite hero versus hero comic story? Yeah, yeah, big talk. Uh, with all that said, we have to get on to what, Lorraine? British Kitty in the City. <laughs> Part two. Also, the milk is spoiled. <laughs> uh, we have to talk about things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news, colon. Let's talk about this, the symbiote Spider-Man. Yes, uh, Spidey's black suit adventures continue in a new book coming this December. It is called Symbiote Spider-Man, colon, Alien Reality Number One. And it is by Peter David and Greg Land. First issue is going to be 40 whopping pages long. It's going to be a big boy. Uh, and it's Peter Parker going up against the Hobgoblin with some fancy new powers. Uh there's also going to be a rollout of some info on Marvel's Avengers, some cool game stuff. There's going to be a new outfit coming for the Hulk. He's going to have a new Luke. Yeah, he's going to be Joe Fix It. Yeah, looking all gray, having all a blue pinstripe suit situation and some whatever brogues are. What are you, black and white brogues? They're you, snazzy, though. Like the, um, the, is that spats? It's like a spat. Yeah. Is it like a spat? I don't know. I know that there were... A lot of previews and stuff that happened recently coming out of Gamescom. Uh, our friends at Kind of Funny and uh, What's Good Games, they they posted some stuff about playing the game. And uh, I know Andrea Renee, who has been on Women of Marvel, um, and she's just awesome. She she spoke very highly of the game. It was cool. There you go. Uh, something we didn't get to talk about um, last week, although I think you mentioned it on the Marvel Minute. I did, yeah. So there was this game called Star Wars Jedi Challenges, which was a smartphone-powered augmented reality experience, which essentially is one of those things where you uh, put your smartphone into a headset to play as a virtual reality experience uh, or game. But uh, last week, a new virtual reality uh, sort of augmented experience called Marvel Dimension of Heroes launched using the same headset. It's the Lenovo Mirage AR. Um, and you can play as six different Marvel heroes, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Thor, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, or Star-Lord in three different game modes. Uh, and it's the story is centering around fighting against Dormammu. There's a survival mode where you can fight against like a wave of enemies and there's co-op mode so you can hang out with your friends in augmented reality which is the only reality i care to encounter that's right a friend of mine who used to work uh over on the uh marvel heroes uh video game the mmo he is one of the producers on the game he was very excited about it we are hopefully going to have um a, a copy of it like a, a headset to play with uh, An so we can a check lenovo mirage ar right that's yeah. what it is yeah look at that we got all the details this week so we'll give you some hands-on uh, after we actually get our hands on it. I can't wait to get me paws on it. Mew, mew, I'm a cat. All right. That's a lot of stuff that we're hyped about right now. We have to talk about this week in Marvel history, which I put together on a plane yesterday. We are talking about the week of September 13th through September 19th across our Marvel history. I want to make a quick note. Last week, uh, we had Ms. Marvel number one in the rundown, and I think it even made it into part of the article. But I had my months mixed up. It actually debuted in October. Uh, a no prize for that catch goes to our very own Jamie Freverly, 
who pointed it out to me. Um, it is an October date, not a September date. I was looking at the copyright date, not the um, the like direct newsstand date. Uh, but let's dive into going even further back to September 17th, 1940, because the original Vision, Arcus, debuts in Marvel Mystery Comics number 13, created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. He's an interdimensional hero. He has basically brought to Earth to help fight evil. He's weird, spooky. He could travel through smoke. His look very much influenced the design for uh, sad crybaby vision. Yeah, even an android can cry. My fave. Yeah. I love the the Arcus vision. Um, They, you know, like in the Kree-Skrull War, the Rick Jones, like, brought him back, like, in his head. Rick Jones does the weirdest stuff. Yeah. Rick Jones, interdimensional weirdo. Yeah. 100. All right, September 19th, 1972. The mighty Femazon from the future Thundra. Yeah. She uh, first appears in Fantastic Four number 129 by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. 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 Great. She works with and against the FF at various points, but is ultimately a strong leader and warrior and force for good. Uh, She also used some Hulk DNA to help her create her daughter, Lyra, or she could have been a pro wrestler in the uh, MU. I love, I just love that she was like, I'd like to have a kid. I'll kiss the Hulk. I'll swab, swab my lips a little bit and I'll make a baby. Yeah. She's like, I don't need, you know, anything more than that. Independent woman. Love her. Uh, September 18th, 1978, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jaron Hogarth, uh, Jaron being the, uh, the comic version uh, that Jerry Hogarth was based upon. The three of them form Heroes for Hire in Power Man and Iron Fist number 54. But it's it, like I was reading through the issue and it's like Hogarth telling Luke he needs to step things up a bit if he wants to make Hero for Hire like <laughs> a, a good business and make it lucrative. And Luke's like... Okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. And there's like montage pages and all this other stuff. Like there's a montage of them like filing paperwork and getting <laughs> licenses and doing business cards. And then uh, Luke Cage is like, give me my money, honey. Pretty much. Uh, and they, they do all this stuff. They step it up. And by the end, they invite Danny Rand to join Heroes for Hire, going from Hero for Hire, Luke Cage's company, to Heroes for Hire. And uh, Danny's like, I think about it. They give him a, a business card with his name already on. He's like, oh, I'm in. I'm ready. Uh, it's great. That's how you know someone is serious about the job. If they offer you a job with a set of cards, you're like, you've invested at least $50 in me. Yeah. Well, with, with that, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, all right. September 18th, 1990, Avengers number 326 features the first appearance of Rage, who is a 13-year-old boy who develops super strength, speed, agility after being exposed to toxic waste. And he goes from like a 13-year-old boy to like a giant pro wrestler sized man. He's like huge. He, you know, with like a little coaxing from his grandma, he is uh, basically goes out to help people. He wants to use his abilities for good. He even ends up joining the Avengers shortly thereafter. Eventually, Captain America finds out that he's only 13 years old. He's like, this is very uh, irresponsible of me and the (laughs) Avengers. You cannot be on this team anymore. I can't risk your life that way. So he ends up getting and being uh, down to part of the New Warriors team, which is a much better fit. He's great on the New Warriors. Uh, He's a really cool character. Uh, September 13th, 1994, Generation X, number one by Scott Lobdell and Chris Pachalo, introduces Chamber, Emplate, and Penance into the book. And really, it starts establishing the world of this next generation of mutants, the Massachusetts Academy, Emma Frost, and Banshee as full-time teachers, and so much more. Uh, Chamber is really the fan favorite out of this group, partially because of his amazing character design, and also, he's very British. Is his last name Potts? No, it's Starsmore. Chamber Potts. Oh, no. (laughs) He's a British bad boy, and uh, he can shoot energy blasts from, I mean, I guess... It was always intended he shot him from his face, but what happened was his, like, psionic blast was so powerful when his powers first came on, he couldn't control it, and he blew out most of his chest and the bottom half of his face. And so it's just, like, crackling energy just spiking out of him. Uh, It's really gnarly. He also has telepathy, which allows him to communicate with people, and he wears, you know, now he wears these, like, great scarves and you know he's just like such a bad boy everybody's like oh look at that bad boy he's like oh it's me chamber pots <laughs> and then september 16th 2009 red she hulk is introduced by jeff Loeb and ian churchill in hulk number 15 a resurrected betty ross uh she's changed into the red she hulk by modok ryan's best friend 
And in much the same way uh, her father was changed into the Red Hulk, she, I actually love her as the Red Hulk. I just, that's cool. I think she's so great. And also, I love her now in Immortal Hulk. Oh my gosh. As Harpy? (gasps) (sighs) Woo! Man, poor Betty Ross has really had the gamut of gamma rays. I mean, she was dead too for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Poor lady. Just like, let her have a good life. Honestly, anyone who gets close to Bruce Banner is in trouble. 100%. There's just gamma rays flying everywhere. Yeah. Don't don't trust it. Everybody read Immortal Hulk. It's great. Oh, yeah. And then September 17th, 2014. Happy fifth birthday to Spider-Gwen, a.k.a. Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Ghost Spider, a.k.a. Gwen Stacy of A Different Earth, who debuted on this date in the pages of Edge of Spider-Verse number two by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez, hailing from the universe 65. Uh, the Gwen Stacy of the world received a spider bite, not Peter Parker. And then lo- lots of and lots of stuff happened to her. Yeah, Peter and Parker took a serum to become the lizard. Then he died, and she had all the guilt arms. around it. And then her dad was oh looking for her, so that's extra complicated. And then she came to our planet, and she was like, hi, Miles Morales. <laughs> I don't think that's happened yet. No, well, I guess, t- no, it happened in the first run. He actually came to her. He came into her universe, and they like had a moment. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know if they I- actually kissed, though. In the first time. I don't know. But I know. But they were like, are we having a moment? Is this a thing? I don't know. There's an alternate reality that we've already touched on in in Spider-Gwen where she and the two of them have kids and the the kids are superheroes. It's really great. Anyway, that was This Week in Marvel History. You, of course, can go to to the article next week uh, if you want to read a lot of the comics that we talk about in here. Uh, But we got to talk about top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List. What's on the top of your pull list, Ryan? Doctor Strange, number 19. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 10, Silver Surfer Black number 4, and King Thor. I just read it today, and it's so good. It is the bee's knees. I got to say, it's really fulfilling that this run has been going on for about seven years now, and it's just full circle, baby. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. All I got to say about that. Uh, Lorraine, we want to do a big talk. Oi, I want to take a big meow meow talk. I'm so sorry, guys. I just want you to know that Persia, triple P is extra P right now because, perturbed, because at some point I lost it and it became a British kitty. And that's not Persia's fault. I just want to say that first and foremost. I take responsibility for my actions. But now my actions are going to take me to this big talk, which is as part of our big talk this week, we are rounding out the rest of the year with our favorite issues from 80 years of Marvel Comics. We are picking some categories so you guys can definitely tweet us things that you would like us to pick an issue based on. But Ryan and I are going to pick our favorite superhero versus superhero fight in the comic books. Um, I will go first because I see Ryan Googling. No, I was. Uh, I want to get some issue dates correct because uh, you popped this into my head as we, like, a couple months oh, yeah. before, which was fine. I think that's it's terrific. It's something um, – it's such a great – easy topic to start to talk about because I think part of the fun is the heroes are constantly fighting each other. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, they're always just like, I don't know, we've decided to fight today. Also, the Hulk, hardly a hero in the early days, just fighting everyone all the time. Man, I didn't even look at the paper. You chose Thing versus Hulk. Yeah. That's what I chose in my head Ah! before we got in here. Because Thing versus Hulk, but I I was thinking about it as like a history, right? So the Thing versus Hulk fights as a history is so, so important to sort of marvel, right? It's Yeah, no, it's funny because I actually was like, oh, I want to pick a Thing versus Hulk fight was the first thing that came to my mind. And I was like, well, which one? And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go with like the first really big one, which was in Fantastic Four number 25, uh, where the Hulk, he kind of pieces together that he thinks that the Avengers have turned on him and now and that Rick Jones isn't his friend anymore and that they're all just like being jerks. And so he's going to go back to New York and go kick all of their butts and get revenge. And at the same time, Reed Richards is kind of like put out of commission mysteriously from something he's experimented with. And the Fantastic Four kind of can't handle the Hulk. So the thing is just like, I'm going to get him. And it's also like the whole thing is just great because the issue starts with like the thing wearing a um, trench coat and the like the hat where he looks like he's the witness. What is it? 
neighborhood protection uh, logo. Oh, um, uh, McGruff neighborhood the, Watch. McGruff the Crime Dog. Somewhere between McGruff the Crime Dog and Neighborhood Watch. That's like watch out for suspicious people. He looks like that suspicious person. It's my favorite. Yeah. But of course, Hulk comes through and he crashes through all of New York City. He rips a bus in half. He tears down a tenement. It crumbles to the ground. Uh, they fall in the river, and then the thing finally sort of stopped him momentarily by ripping off huge pieces of the Brooklyn Bridge, which is that classic one that you see a lot in comics with the big arch, kind of like upside down arches. And he essentially wraps him in these huge metal tubes and that like momentarily quells the fight. And then they continue to fight into the next issue. Of course. Why Obviously. wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's the first one. And it's such a classic. I uh, immediately start thinking about there's two stories that are in the, I believe, the late 80s. So at one point, we had talked earlier in the show about Joe Fixit, right? This mm-hmm. is the version of the Hulk that is gray. He's less powerful, but he's very smart, very cunning. He's a little bit smaller. Uh, at this point, he like you know he had been mutated a little bit. Uh, so this personality of the Hulk is different. Yeah. Uh, he's not quite as strong. At one point, the thing gets mutated by radiation, so he gets even, like, rockier. So he has this design that I always, as a kid especially, I always loved. He's got, like, spiky Mm -hmm. rocks all around him, and he's bigger, and he's way stronger. And so it's in Fantastic Four number 320 where he beats the tar out of Greyhawk. Just, wow. He pummels him. And it's the first time that... The roles are reversed. Usually, like they'd fought mm-hmm. a bunch of times between them, and Hulk generally beats him. Yeah. You know, thing gets some help here and there, but on a one-on-one fight, it's always bad. Uh, then there's a follow-up to that in Incredible Hulk number three fifty, where it's like going down the same path, but Hulk has to use his smarts, his cleverness, to stop the thing from like continuing to beat him up. It's really fun. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this. One of the things that I think is so interesting is that the thing we think of as being kind of like he's like kind of rough and tumble but Banner is a super genius and when his brain comes together when he goes into Professor Hulk and like into later days he's kind of unstoppable but then you're like but thing as much as he's like a dude from the Lower East Side who like fights with the anti-gang he also was an astronaut yeah he was an astronaut yeah He's really, not a dummy. No, he's a very talented pilot, very yeah. smart. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Uh, I want to make sure we give a shout out to Fantastic Four 12 and 13 from the current run, which really sort of circles back on all the Hulk versus Thing fights uh, where the immortal Hulk, the like scary devil Hulk, comes to fight the, the Thing while Thing's on his honeymoon with Alicia um, and Hulk is being manipulated by the puppet master, and it is one of my favorite fights. It's so good. The two of them knock down drag out for two issues, 12 and 13. I think many of you have probably uh, read it recently. It's intense. I feel like that's the hallmark of a good thing Hulk fight is getting a two-issue arc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all you need. Two dudes punching each other with some gravitas. I know, and I love in that issue 25, one of my favorite things is there's like three or four panels that's literally just punch, then the other one punch, then the other one punch, because they're just two titans crashing up against each other. Yeah. Uh, Some other great big, you know, like hero versus hero fights, of course, Civil War, tons of that in there. Civil War 2. Yep. Uh, Avengers versus X-Men has has a bunch of that stuff. Uh, So, of course, that leads us to our question of the week. What is your favorite hero versus hero fight? Yeah, you tell us and then hashtag This Week in Marvel or you can send it to us uh, at our email, which is twimpodcast, that's T-W-I-M, podcast at marvel.com. Or you can send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Now, when we're talking about fighting two men, two are friends, and they are punching each other, of course, we're talking about Donny Cates and Devin Lewis. That is our interview for this week. That doesn't seem accurate. No, it's not accurate at all. Donnie and Devin are good, dear friends. Devin is the editor on Absolute Carnage and Venom and many Spider-Man books. He is formerly an intern, now an editor. Donnie is, of course, writer of Absolute Carnage, Venom, 
a billion and a half books. Uh, he is also a former intern. So um, we got a great conversation out of them. I th- you guys are going to hear the stuff that they did to survive. Like, it's wild. It's a really, like, working here, you have to have passion sometimes, and you really have to want it. And you have to also be very good at it, very diligent. So uh, right now, let's get into our interview with Donnie Cates and Devin Lewis. Donnie and Devin, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Great. I'm absolutely awesome. Hey. 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 That is terrific branding because you guys are working on Absolute Carnage right now. We are. We we, we are, sure are in the thick of it right now. And uh, people seem to dig it. Yeah. 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 It's a very exciting time for Symbiote fans. That's for right. Sure. People haven't started to get mad yet. I suspect issue two, uh, people are going to be um, upset and have nightmares and be very sad. And three and four, they'll have and nightmares. Three and, and four five. and There's five. There's a lot of nightmare fuel in this Yeah, game. I always say, Ryan and I keep on talking about it, and we're like, man, issue two, though. And then Ryan will be like, <laughs> yeah, but that ending for three. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, three. Yeah. Oh, but then four. That's yeah, 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 yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Good. Yeah. It's the way it should be. Uh, we will talk about Absolute Carnage in a little bit, but uh, we wanted to get together to talk a little bit about internships at Marvel because you guys are both former Marvel interns. Right. Um, did you know each other as interns? No, we no. were uh, we were a little bit apart. I was I was 2010 going into 2011, and you were when uh, I started in 2010. But I think we just missed each other by yeah. like opposite semesters. I think you might have been like literally the semester right after me. Crazy, yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, and what's crazier too is that John Moisen um, was the semester before me before I got there, and so like. Three interns in a row ended up going on to be professionals. John was an editor here at Marvel for a while, and now he's over at Skybound. He's actually the editor of um, Redneck, is a book I do I do over there. Oh wow! Yeah, it's wild, right? Crazy, and we're all in comics now. Yeah, it's crazy. So, and, and you know, it's a thing where people want. I, I hear from kids all the time. We're like, I want to be an intern. I want to be an intern at Marvel, and they just say blanket at Marvel. But there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of specifics, and you guys were interns in editorial and publishing, right? right? Yeah. How'd you each get your internships? Devin, why don't you start? Well, I, I happened to be at the right place at the right time. I, uh, I bumped into Joe Q at a convention when I was a junior in high school, uh, and I really, really wanted to intern for Marvel. I was willing to work for free. Uh, being in high school, I knew that I didn't qualify for any sort of employment, and Joe was kind enough to give me his email address and a link to the program, and I happened to apply when I was in my first semester at college, and I was lucky enough to, to get it. It's weirdly similar to mine in a way. I was um, I was at SCAD in Savannah in the sequential art program. And so SCAD has two campuses in Georgia. One is in um, Atlanta and one's in Savannah. And the Atlanta campus was hosting an event um, where they had brought out um, Axel and uh, Jason Aaron to come and speak. And anyone who knows me knows I'm just the biggest Jason Aaron fan <laughs> on the planet. And I was back then, too. And uh, and so I was the host of the of the SCAD podcast in Savannah. And so I tricked everyone into paying for me to, to drive out <laughs> to Atlanta under the guise of, I'm doing air quotes, uh, to interview them for the podcast, <laughs> which never ended up happening. Um, a true story, my car actually broke down that morning and I was so determined to go and do it that I used part of my scholarship to buy a new car that day oh, so I could wow. get to Jason and Axel. So I went out there and I interviewed Jason. It was wonderful and he's wonderful, as we all know. Yeah. And then um, I, I had like made some ash cans from some, some uh, a comic that I wanted. Pause Something. real quick. Yeah. What is an ash can? Oh, sure. For someone who doesn't know, I, we we know it in yeah. this room, but sure. Yeah. I mean, ash can is basically kind of a um, a, a DIY kind of make it yourself comic. Uh, normally black and white. Normally like stapled by hand. Smaller. Smaller. Usually yeah, in yeah, yeah, format. Yeah. We use them in publishing nowadays as like promo items sometimes. But when you're just starting out as a as a little baby uh, creator, they're really good things you can make up and take to shows and put it in people's hands. That's what I was doing. Um, and so I gave one to Jason and I gave one to Axel. And Axel just kind of apropos of nothing was just like, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, <laughs> uh, going to SCAD. And he was like, well, you know, we always looking for interns. You should apply. And here's my email. That's awesome. So, yeah, and I did. I just I kind of on a lark. I, I, it had never really occurred to me. And on a lark, I applied and, and got in. Yeah. It's amazing. I wonder how much different it is now. And you would know better, um, Devin, that that, uh, because, you know, when I was still there, it was unpaid. Mm -hmm. And me too. There was like 40 of us, right? Is it much different? Is the application process? Uh, Yeah. Now we we have a whole, the program is paid and it's. it's, Yeah. Yeah. 
it's paid and uh, we have we have fewer interns for the department but they get to work with everybody that's which great. is a, oh, that's a different because uh, when we were coming up it was every office got an intern right. so the X office had an intern mm-hmm. the Avengers office had an intern and the Spidey office had an intern um, but now everyone, all the interns work for editorial. What office were you? I was a Spidey intern. Were you? The yeah. X office didn't want me. I really? interned uh, in my fall semester, in my first semester uh, in college. Uh, I interviewed for the X office internship, and they they did not. I I don't know why they didn't like they, your attitude. They didn't man. like yeah. yeah. I, I've got that. I, I was picking all my stuff up. Like I was very late. I had Peter Parker energy. I guess. I yeah. Just, yeah. Sure. A mess. I remember when I had so. Uh, I'm sure yours was the exact same. They brought me in for an interview and I just sat in one room and like every editorial office came through and talked to me. And then it was Jordan White's, well, it was Panic's office at the time. And that office at the time was uh, Panic, um, uh, uh, Sana, and Jordan. So it was like the ultimate office slash yep. Hulk, Hercules, that whole, the Greg Pock office at yeah. the time, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and they came in to, to me and, and Jordan goes, so what comics do you read? And I said, very honestly, I was like, I read every single comic book that is published every week. And he was like, don't try and impress us. <laughs> Just what do you read? And I was like, no, literally, I read every Marvel comic that's that's out. And he was like, okay, you want to do this? Let, let's do it. He was like what do I do? And I was just like, oh, well, you edit this, 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 and this, and these are the plot lines and all of those. And Sana, you do this, 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 and this, and this is what this is about. And like Panic, you've done this. And it, and they were all like, oh, whoa, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a you know, college kid in the sequential art program <laughs> with more money than I knew what to do with at the time because I had a scholarship, which I didn't really need. Um, well, I, I needed it to pay, pay for books, but I didn't. I just paid it for comics. <laughs> um, They're books. Uh, they, <laughs> They are books. And That's they right. Definitely helped your education. Yeah. And it worked yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got a call like, you know, uh, a few weeks after that, that I got it. And, and yeah, so I was that office. But I don't know if you're, you were the same way. As soon as the whole editorial floor found out that I could string a few sentences together and I didn't have to be monitored that close. I was just farmed out to every single <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> office. I was doing every week. Re- if you read a, a Marvel comic in 2010, 2011. 11 I wrote the recap for it <laughs> there it is that the I had the same experience which was also helpful because uh, sort of like the new internships uh, the program that we've got now you get to know everybody uh, I got to know Tom Brevoort as an intern which was terrifying but sure. also helpful when I got hired because I had had a conversation with the guy right. before so you're not going into a cold which is probably the best uh, advantage of being a part of the program is that you get to put faces to names and show off that you know your stuff. Like yeah, it right. is, there's something to be said for for knowing answers to questions in those interviews. Well, I'll, I'll say this though: I think that a lot of um, I get it a lot, not a lot, but I sometimes will get um, uh, these comments online or something that like I got where I am at Marvel now because of that internship, and that's not true. Um, I mean, being an intern taught me really the the pace that these things have to happen in, yep. right? But it in no way got me my writing jobs. I still had to go and, and make myself um, into someone that was hireable and that made sense for the company. So, like, my internship was 2010. I didn't get my first job until 2015. Um, when I wrote a 10-page backup for Secret Wars, which was terrible. And as a result, I wasn't hired back until 2017. And then wow. I've, I've, I've been here ever since. But, I mean, it definitely helped in so much that I knew Jordan and I knew Tom and I knew Sana and, so, yeah. and, and Panic. Um, and they were all – they um, definitely kept an eye on me to see, you know, what I was doing because they knew me, you know. But, I mean, it wasn't – I didn't get hired because I was their buddy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I still had to go and get good at my craft. You yeah. Know? And I think we all pull for the interns who leave good impressions. And right. so you, I'm sure they wanted you to succeed and do well. Like we, I still keep in contact with a bunch of former interns yeah. and, and want them to do amazing stuff. Um, how many semesters did you each intern for? Because five, that, yeah. So I, I bring five. that up because I think five. We, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a cap now. Yeah. I, Maybe like two semesters or it's three two. at the moment. I think it's, it's two. two. Yeah. I think I want to say mine was two because it was all of of like part of the summer into the end of the year. So that must that would have had to have been yeah. two, right? Summer I think and fall. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so having that, you know, I'm sure that lends you more experience and like you start seeing a lot of new things that you could do. So I, I was curious, you mentioned it a little bit, you know, being farmed out. What was life like as an intern? What is your day-to-day, especially if you're there for two and a half, like 
almost two two years, roughly? Yeah, just about three years. Well, <laughs> I feel like everybody's got a funny, crazy story that oh, they yeah. tell, especially <laughs> from uh, before the internships were paid. Because my day back back then would not look like an intern's day today. Because uh, I was coming in, uh, I went to school in Long Island, so I would take the. I was a commuter basically. Uh, I would come in uh, for nine to five for my internship, and then it was just you know making comics or trying to help make comics, writing recap pages, doing mm-hmm. balloon placements, looking at art, just right. marveling at the art mm-hmm. um, as it came in was the coolest part of the process. Uh, but after five o'clock, I would take an hour break and I would go work at the American Eagle in Times Square because the internship was unpaid and I needed right. a way to eat. Uh, so I would work the grave night, graveyard shift. I worked from 5 p.m. until 4 a.m. at the American the Eagle exact, in Times Square. I did the exact same thing. I was working at one of those spirit Halloween stores. Oh, boy. Working the graveyard shift, which was a nightmare. And that's and where you got all your inspiration for Absolute Carnage. <laughs> right. <laughs> On sale now wherever yeah. books are sold. <laughs> um, yeah, same thing. I mean, I just I, I, I remember being kicked out of here on an almost daily basis because I didn't. I was like, I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> I was like, because my. Let me read the because my because I would I would get in here um I'm really early and then I would stay till like six thirty seven and like I remember Laura Sankovich would always come <laughs> in and be like Donnie go home <laughs> yeah and I was like but I live in Queens and my my job is like around the corner like where else am I supposed to go because yeah. like my shift would start at like you know ten o'clock or something like that it would go to like four a.m. Oh, you know, and then I'd go home back to Queens and I would sleep for three hours and get back. And I did it for, you know, better part of a year, you know, but it, you know, it's, you, if you want something bad enough, you'll do it. You'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, you know, I'm not from, here. I'm from Texas. Right. And so I didn't know a single soul out here. Yeah. You know, I just, I just dove into the work and like, you know, one of, one of the coolest things about my internship is that, like I said, I was in the ultimate office. And so one of the things that I did and look. Before I say this, a big caveat here. Bendis is a friend of mine, <laughs> and Bendis would say this about his own work, okay? Uh, Bendis gets very excited when he writes, and as a result, uh, there's oftentimes spelling <laughs> <What>? <laughs> issues. Oh, you don't say. And, you know, you know, you both know how, how fast things have to yeah. move in the office, and so Sana would always just give me all of Brian's scripts be- be- before she read them, and we're like, go and fix everything in this. <laughs> put the commas in, put, you know, everything. And so, like, I was the first one to ever read Brian's scripts when they came in and I really it it he taught me how to write comics wow. like the formatting of it just yeah. by looking at them I was in fact the first one to ever read Miles's first appearance in script form and then I was also in the office when the first drawing of Miles came in and I you know Sonic was always very good about like showing me the cool stuff that's coming up yep. but I walked in and she pulled her computer to the side and I was like what's what's that and she was like ah okay do you want to see this it's really cool and she showed me this awesome drawing of that of his new suit and I was like, what is that? And she was like, that's the our new Spider-Man. And I was like, whoa. And then cut to years later, I was the first person to ever write Miles after Brian. Awesome. Isn't that bananas? That's wild. so weird. And like, I remember when, when we were doing our first arc of, of Venom, I, like, calling Brian and being like, hey, this is kind of what I'm going to do with Miles and everything. And him like giving me advice back. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is the weirdest, cool moment. smallest little circle, you know? Um, so that was always really special for me and like seeing the art and everything and... Um, I got my first Marvel credit as an intern because, you know, we don't get credited for our, our most interns don't get credited for like the research and the recaps and everything. But um, there's a book called Ant-Man the Wasp that was written and drawn by Tim Seeley. And it was a team up book between Eric O'Grady, the irredeemable Ant-Man, uh, created by, uh, uh, was it Phil Hester and Robert Kirkman? Yep. That's right, right? And, um, and Hank Pym. And they were teaming up to go do this really fun, uh, the book's actually great. But the recap, the idea behind it was that it was one of Hank Pym's science notebooks that Eric O'Grady had doodled <laughs> on and like his like stick figures told the story. And they wanted me to do it. And I was like, well, can I do this, the drawings? And they were like, I mean, stick figures, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> and so I did it. And because I ended up doing art for the book, they had to give me like a little special thanks. <laughs> and so to this day, I mean, every signing I do, like 10 dudes come up and bring me that, 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 that thing. And Tim Seeley has said, like, you know, you really made the value of that book go up a lot. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. I, for, for a while, my first credit was, like, right under Stan Lee's name. That's awesome. Yeah, and as a Marvel artist. Yeah, yeah. And, and now you have a, a cover. I do have a Which cover. Is, there you cool. go. I am a Venom cover artist now. Yep, there you Some go. Bananas. Uh, so in the course of five semesters, how much of what you did day-to-day changed? 
And then for you, was it pretty much in two semesters? That's a lot of time and a lot yeah. of uh, ability to learn. Does it really? Did you get a lot to change? Uh, by the end of it, I was doing a lot more than I was when I started, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But what was uh, especially funny was in my first two semesters. Uh, I worked for the Spider Office, which was Steve Wacker, Tom Brennan, and CB. And my first inclination was to read everything. So yeah. I read all of Amazing Spider-Man, all of Spectacular Spider-Man, all of Peter Parker's Spider-Man, mainly because I was here. Like, I had never before had access to the library. every I mean, single trade yeah, we've ever course, made. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was crazy. Uh, and so I just read Spider-Man. But by the time my third or fourth internship came around, I had kind of run out of stuff to read. Like, right. I had been keeping up. But fortunately, like that gave me a a working knowledge of the Marvel universe. So I was helping out on on things like uh, recap date, like template design. That sure. I, I I interned for some of when Spider Man came out. And one of the things I'm proudest of is like in my last semester, I came up with Webipedia, which was the the recap page oh, template yeah, cool. for uh, Spider Man, and that was like a little thing I got to do for three three weeks and worked with the bullpen on, and it yeah. was great. And after four years, like I'd seen enough of them go to the printer that. Like oh we gotta I kind of know when we need these things to be yeah. ready, and and everyone knew me well enough that they started trusting me with those kinds of things. That's great. Uh, and was and then within three months of graduation, I was an editorial assistant. That's awesome, man. I uh, yeah, I guess mine was always kind of the same. Like you know, like Devin said, I, I was trusted more to yeah. do more and more. I received my first and only ever no prize. <laughs> That's um, awesome. At the company because I walked in, I was just I was reading comics. And intern row, which is the series of little desks that all the interns sit at, and uh, it, I, I got a no prize for a reason that you're not really supposed to get a, a no prize. <laughs> I was reading a Namor book, and I was looking at the title, and I was like, "Whoa, Namor is just the word Roman spelled backwards." And I was like, in my mid twenties, I was like, "Am I the dumbest person on earth? <laughs> like, am I the last person on earth to see that?" Does and everyone so, else know this? Does anyone know <laughs> and I like popped into an editor's office, and I won't say who it is because I don't want to embarrass them. But I was like, "You guys, I'm so stupid. I didn't know that Neymar was Roman spelled backwards." And all of their faces just fell, and they're like, <laughs> "What?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "What?" And like they like, opened his desk, and he was like, "All right, you get a no prize." <laughs> He's like, "Don't tell anybody that we didn't know that." <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was able to do some really fun stuff. I remember. Um, I, what was really important for me it was a very, like, kind of a keystone moment in my life uh, as an intern was a job came up in the postings for jobs, and it was like a, it was like a very entry like male job or something like that, mm. and I applied for it like instantly, and I had um, panic was moving, and so I had helped panic move, and as a result, he was like, hey, let me take you out for lunch, and, mm-hmm. you know, say thanks for helping me move and stuff, and that's a longer story that I won't tell, um, <laughs> but. Um, but I told Panic about about uh, this job that I was after, and he was like, he was like, well, do you want to like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I, I think I want to be a writer. And he was like, well, then don't do that job, don't take that. Yeah, good. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, it's, uh, only two things are going to happen: you're either going to be really good at it, and we're never going to let you leave or do anything else, or you're going to be bad at it because you want to be a writer, and it, you're going to kind of sour your reputation. And he was, and I was like, what should I do? And he was like, honestly. You should leave and go start writing comics. And I did. Yeah. It was the scariest thing I ever did was like not re-up on my internship. And I moved back to Austin and I started making comics. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just I kept on making comics. I was like, I want to get back in that building. I like so desperately want to get back in there, you know. And it, I mean, it paid off, you know, but it's just uh, super terrifying, you know. I, yeah. I'm glad Panic gave you that advice. Absolutely. That's, that's the, the exact yeah. right advice to give. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you don't want someone going down a path that they shouldn't. What advice would you give for students who are looking to intern in editorial at Marvel Comics? Well, Devin, you probably know what, what that, that looks like better now. Read Marvel Comics. Sure. Is the best place to start. Knowing what is happening in the Marvel Universe as we publish it month in, month out is the best way to get an internship. You know, when I applied... Uh, the byline for the editorial internship application was, do you think you know all of Iron Man's armors? Right, and I remember I, that. I went into my interview dead set to prove that I knew all <laughs> of Iron Man's armors, uh, and and it made an impression on Tom Brennan. And, you know... Tom Brennan, who now works in the mayor's office? Crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I love looking at, you know, fellow Marvel people, right. where they go, especially interns or, you know, assistant editors and stuff, and, like, yeah. all the, the places that we... Yeah, he works for Kingpin now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just uh, not expecting to come work in the MCU. 
is always helpful. Sure. Um, and but it uh, also loving the Marvel brand because one of the uh, one of the other cool things about working editorial is that you know just like Donnie got to see Miles Morales and I get to see Absolute Carnage as Ryan draws it, you do get to see all of the stuff as it's cooking. Absolutely. Which means that you get to see all of the things before they appear in games, before yeah. they appear in TV shows, before they appear in toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really do get to see. Uh, or in some cases before before they appear in the movies. Like, right. you know, Jane Foster Thor, uh, her story just ended in the comics, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, you get to see editors losing their minds, yep. freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worried about script deadlines. Yeah. You really get a, an understanding of every facet of the business. You really do, yeah. Um, what was the question? Oh, uh, the advice you would give for someone who wants to... My, my advice might be outdated because I don't know how it really works now, but I, I figured out something that to me was, was important that was um, when I was leaving, um, or when I got there, rather, I figured out that like because of how fast-paced editorial moves, they don't necessarily have time to go through every application for interns like that. And so what's cool and I think helpful is that a lot of times interns are looking through intern applications. Mm-hmm. And so I I mean be professional, like tell them why you could do it, but also like my letter that I wrote was very much talking about how I'm a fan and how like I just I I love comics and I like roll them up and put them in my back pocket and yeah. you know I just I I'm here for the love of the game and all that kind of stuff and it it worked because I think of fellow probably a person my age read that and and was just like oh this guy gets it, you know. I don't know if that's how it works anymore, but I think um, make yourself stand out by by what Devin was saying. Like 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 show how much you love the brand. Everyone wants to be around good, fun people. You know, at the end of the day, it is this crazy Marvel world, but it is also an office setting, and you need to establish that you're someone that's going to be fun to be around yeah. all day, every day. You Positivity know? and professionalism, absolutely help for sure. Yeah, um, but also not being too afraid to to let things go. Uh, you know, when I when I was a kid and, and even in high school, when I thought about comics, if I ever wanted to pursue a career in comics, I was going to draw. I was going to draw and I really Same. wanted to be an artist. Yeah. Being an artist not only seemed like like the rock star life, but also it, it felt like the coolest part of the process. Yeah. Uh, and by the time I, you know, I got to high school, I wanted to be a lawyer because, of course, that comics thing was never going to happen. And then I met Joe Q and now I'm here. And I'm never going to pick up a pencil to draw, <laughs> but uh, you know I was able to kind of roll with the the internships as things as they changed things in my life and yeah. my expectations. And now I get to work with people like Donnie and Ryan, and engage with the brand in a way that I never thought I'd be able to. So just uh, being being accepting of little things changing and things like that. Take like, it as it where it takes you. Yeah, right? exactly. When you got to your internship, how long were you there before you knew like, oh, I want to be an editor, like. Uh, on my first day, uh, I was very, very excited to be here. Uh, I went into Steve and Brennan's office, and I, I was v- excited to tell them all the things I knew about Spider-Man. Yeah. And Steve picked up a copy of Siege Number 2, mm-hmm. and he handed it to me, and he said, hey, you want to read a comic that hasn't come out yet? And I was like, no, now I want to work here. Like, that's, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, like the first day. I remember I read that. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was Century uh, when he grabs Ares. Yeah. And I remember hitting that moment in the office before it was out on shelves. And right. I was like, oh, people are going to care about this. Yeah. Like, this is a thing that I have before mm. anybody else in the world yeah. other than the other people in this building. And that's cool. And yeah. that's when I knew. What that's, about you? I uh, I don't know. I was I, I, I never wanted to be a writer. I, I didn't start writing until 2010. Like, I had never written Whoa. a word in my life. I felt when I got to Marvel, I was really hung up on wanting to be an editor. Mm. And then when I, I had that conversation with a panic, I was just like, no, you know what? No, that's you're you're a creator. Like, that's not what, what, what your path is. You're just I was like, you're just saying that because you're so close to that mm-hmm. right now. You know, but I was like, you're not good at getting up early and being on time. Like, you, <laughs> you're not going to work in this office well, you know. Um, and so I just kind of it was a recommitment, you know, and then. Being able to see all the wonderful scripts that were coming and all the art and being in, and falling in love with that process and yeah. everything, you know, I still, it's still so magical to me to get pages in. And, it's the best, and, you know. It's just the best. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but what is the the process, the collaborative process between a writer and an editor like? Like, especially be- between you two now, you're working together for a, a while. Yeah, what is that? What is that like on a day to day basis? Mostly it's pretending that we're friends on podcasts and then yeah. screaming at each other. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, I, I, I can say I, am, I have been very blessed at my time at Marvel to work with the editors that I've 
worked with. I've, I've every single uh, interaction and book that I've done has been so incredibly collaborative, and um, and and maybe none more so than what Devin and I do. Uh, I mean, I I approached you at like my second summit mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and I a little birdie had told me that maybe Mike Costa was maybe winding down his Venom run, and I kind of pulled you aside and I was like, hey. <laughs> I need this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need Venom, and you were like, you, you, you didn't know me yet. Like, yeah, I think maybe by that point, like maybe my first like few issues of Thanos had come out. I hadn't really proven myself, you know. But people seem to have liked the stuff I've done. But you and I hadn't worked together at all. I hadn't really done much in the Spidey office at all. I, yeah. had, I had done Doctor Strange a little bit, but yeah, not with you. And I pulled you aside, and I was like, dude, I have the craziest Venom stuff I want to do. And you were like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Rando dude, I don't well, know. Well, it's like there are two of me. That's yeah. my exact voice. <laughs> um, and so and, and then it went a little bit further. And then I think um, uh, someone talked someone into something where you were like, all right, I'll look at his ideas <laughs> or whatever, you know, because I don't know if you were like looking at other people or whatever, but I think it. I eventually sent you what would become our Venom Bible. Yep. And I think from there, we, we both knew that we were on the same page as far as our uh, creative goals. You yeah. Know? It's always, uh, well, first of all, thank you. It's, it, Venom, I think, is probably one of my favorite books that I've ever worked on. Um, my favorite character since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, Norman Osborn is Spider-Man's greatest, or Peter Parker's greatest enemy. Doc Ock is Spider-Man's, but Venom is by far his coolest. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. The, the most badass looking character. And... One of the challenges as an editor is that you have to know when to put aside your own ideas or even ideas that, you know, you might want to get to in a run that you don't have time for or things like that. Uh, and I, when I first approached Donnie to pitch on Venom, I had a couple of thoughts about what the direction the book could go in after my Costa's run was. And by the end of our first phone call, Donnie said the words Venom Dragon and everything I had considered before <laughs> went out the window. Um, like, you got to be able to recognize when there's a big, cool, scary idea, and, and this guy's got a bunch of them. And, and now we're at the point where even silly, like, hey, would, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Like, I can just shoot Donnie a text or an yeah, email yeah. that's like, hey, here's a bone. Do you want to chew on that for a yeah, minute yeah. And, and throw it into the story? And then we'll get a script and something crazy will have happened yeah. just be, because of this aside. Or, we did it, like, last week. You yeah. you texted me. You're like, hey, what, what, wouldn't it be, like, just visually, what if this? And I was like, yeah, oh, dude, that's rad. Yeah, let's do that, you know? And it's, it really is just so much, like, there's not, I mean, we all have different jobs that we do. Like, you know, Ryan's a penciler and JP inks and Frank colors and Devin edits and I write, but we're all doing the same job, which is we're all just like throwing ideas in. And I've always described the Venom crew as a band that we all trust each other to solo without rehearsing first. <laughs> like I just, I just know when to get the hell out of Ryan's way yeah. and just be like, all right, I trust you. Go man. Just, just go. You know, like we're, we all are able to improvise in the right key because we all know exactly what our goals are on this book and it's so rare and everything is so um refined down to like this singular purpose that will i think by the end of our venom run you'll see what the grand plan was from issue one to issue question mark question mark yeah you keep know? reading true believers <laughs> yeah <laughs> Buy them yeah, all. yeah exactly um <laughs> Twice. and we all know that and we're all we've all read the venom bible and we all know where, where we're all going and so we're all able to move towards that with the same ideas at at this point you know a lot of an editor's job and correct me if i'm wrong on this is is mostly concentrated with like notes and like in like shaving of an idea mostly you get it out of your way in the first few issues you know you want to get the boat going and get it off the sea but like on our book like we we're just going now yeah you know like because it's been locked in and prepared i mean you were there when I gave my like four hour pitch in the room, <laughs> I think in my notes, like, oh my god, Donnie's only talking about the f- like the fifth issue. Yeah, yeah. What, what, where are we? Yeah, this is great. <laughs> People don't know this, but like at one of the my, my my first summits, I think the first summit that I had to tell everybody what I was doing on Venom, I told them everything, <laughs> like yeah. every single arc, every single issue until it ends. And like, at a certain point, CD was like, Donnie, Donnie, can I just what? year is this <laughs> taking place? And I was like, oh, this is, checks note, checks notes, 2022. And he was like, okay, can we? <laughs> There's a whole like, room. But but now, like, it's helpful, right? Because yeah. we all know, yeah. and, like, it, none of it has changed. 
a single bit. And yeah. so we're just off, you know? It's great. Um, and I've I've said this a million times, but like Absolute Carnage was, was supposed to be back in the day, just the third arc. Yeah. You know, and then I got into the room and started and started saying it and I saw all like the marketing execs eyes <laughs> light up and and then the C B and Joe came in and was like, Hey, you're on deck for the event. It's gonna be the event. And like I I hope that people, when they hear that, don't think that it's like, oh, they're just padding things out. Quite the opposite, because it was always going to be tough to fit all the ideas yeah. I had for Absolute Carnage into those six issues. And now when I got that, I was just like, oh, my God, I can just do everything. I yeah. can do everything. I have the Venom solo book. I have the main event. And I have all these tie-ins. I can I can, I can, can kill everyone. Yeah. You know? And the first issue is three issues long. Oh, so my God. It's great. Uh, we do have to wrap up. I have one final quick question. This sure. is probably the most important of this discussion. Discussion. Oh, okay. Which of you loves Ryan Stegman more? I mean, and the, I mean the answer is me. I, the answer. I is guess we have to fight for him. Um, <laughs> I just spent um, like like an entire week with him oh, and his children and his wife. That'll do it. Yep. Um, so, and I'm going out to Long Island with him tomorrow to sign three thousand books from Midtown. He wins. I win. Yeah, he wins. <laughs> he wins. Fatality. There it is. Fatality. Yeah, that's Flawless your that's victory. your Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. You at a signing table. There it is. Uh, thanks, <laughs> boys. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. All right, big thanks to Donnie and Devin. Uh, Donnie will again be on the show in a couple of weeks. He and rambunctious Ryan Stegman are coming to talk about Absolute Carnage and more. But now we've got to get into community. Uh, of course, uh, you know what? Why don't we start with a nice tasty email, Lorraine? Yeah, Keith Reardigan said, uh, was rereading Claremont Run on Unlimited and came across this jewel from X-Men number 119, the team is infiltrating Moses Magnum's lair in the Curl Islands in order to save Japan after escaping the Savage Land once more unto the breach title of House of X uh, issue number three. Not sure if there is any insights or connections or just a nod, but uh, good stuff. So here's the thing. Old Billy Shakespeare wrote that line over in Henry V. Way back when, in 1991. Nope, it was earlier than that. I don't know. You check the math. We'll figure that out. It was at least probably 300 years before mm, that. Disagree to disagree. Uh, so, yes, William Shakespeare wrote Once More Unto the Breach, and it has been used, and I think that that is a major hallmark of Chris Claremont's run on the X-Men. Very Shakespearean in so many ways. And what? I just got a new twim idea. Ooh. We should do all of the Shakespeare illusions because there are so many. Nope. Remember Caliban? I don't have enough time. We can't. We can't. Think Huck, about it. Uh, yep. Uh, like uh, little, almost everything. There's so much. Yeah. It's Billy crazy. Shakes did a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's sort of like, oh, I like that. I'm going to riff on that. It's a classic. Yeah. I, I don't think you're wrong in also saying once more onto the breach uh, that Jonathan pulls for uh, House of X is something that references Uncanny X-Men because he's so smart about uh, referencing the the classic X-Men stuff. Jordan White, the editor, like thinking about how to loop classic Uncanny X-Men and X-Men stories into current things that they're telling in House of X and Powers of Ten. Uh, but ultimately, it all goes back to, uh, to Billy. Um, <laughs> all right. Colin J. At Colin J. said to us two, my favorite kiss has to be Hulkling and Wicked in Young Avengers Children's Crusade number nine. Because growing up as a gay kid, I never dreamed of seeing strong, openly gay characters. I love their relationship so much. It's so sweet. It's so pure and like, ugh, goals. They're yeah. so sweet. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Colin, I, I replied to you on Twitter and I said, I'm so glad you picked this because I was near, this was like right on the cusp of what I wanted to pick and I I went obviously darker when I was talking about my pick, but this one is so good. Uh, Colin, I hope you and everybody else is reading Death's Head right now uh, because uh, Billy and Teddy are in Death's Head and they're like dealing with some stuff and uh, there's some really sweet moments. There's one in the most recent issue where in the background like they, they're separated for a couple of pages and then they like come together and it's just a background of them like running and hugging each other. It's so sweet. I love Teeny Howard so much to the writer on that book because <laughs> I was talking to her. She's like, oh, yeah, if I get to work on this, I'm just going to pull the characters that I love. So Hulkling and Wicked Forever. Yeah. Like amazing. Heck yeah. 
All right, last tweet of the week is from Karis Pollard. Karis, uh, I hope you know that we've been doing our British accents, and I've been thinking about uh, your commentary. You and uh, Simon, uh, the two of you, better <laughs> have some thoughts about our accents at, after this episode. Do I sound like a British kitty from the city? Karis says... But surprise! My This Week in Marvel of the Week is Alpha Flight. I love these characters and the stories all hit my favorite bittersweet, hopeful, emotional notes. Beautiful art, too, especially from Max Dunbar. I love his style. Thanks to Jim Zub, Jim Charlampitas, Ed Brisson, and everyone involved. Heck yeah. That Alpha Flight True North one-shot was terrific. Yeah. That's it. I think we did it. We're we somewhat, made it? We're somewhat sane. Listen, I just want to apologize to anyone who did not care for the British kitty. No, no. you and do I w- not need to apologize for that wonderful accent, Lorraine. Thank you. Um, But also, you're welcome to anyone who liked it. I've got to go. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Yo, kitty from the city. <laughs>